Dean's family. This is Dave on Love, director of public policy, leaders of a beautiful struggle. Here we got Dr. Jared Ball, founder of Black Power Media. Co-founder. Co-founder. Co-founder of Black yeah, Power yeah. Media. You know, so, you know, all this programming y'all getting to see. This man invited us to come on the channel. We're really appreciative of that. And and you're all welcome. <laughs> no, because the show is dope. What yeah. you do is dope. Yeah. So, in, in 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 all honesty, you are all welcome. Appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate it. <laughs> so, let's start with uh, introduce yourself and just you know things that you think will be relevant to the conversation about what you do. Uh, my name is Jared Ball. I'm a father and a husband. Uh, I teach at Morgan State University, and for most of my adult life, I've tried to support underground grassroots activism organization. Uh, as black and radical as I can get it. That's me in a nutshell. Cool. Cool. That's a bet. So, um, conversation, we're going to do it two parts. And this first part, um, you know, because we've actually talked about a lot of stuff. One of the things you and I, I haven't been able to go deep on with you is really your expertise around, like, propaganda mm. and how it impacts social movements. So that's something I want to, you know, this first part really delve really deep into, um, you know, I think for, you know, one of the things I think a lot of people who are just casual observers of popular culture tend to have a hard time seeing the political implications that popular culture has in terms of how, it, you know, forms opinions and all that. So if you could just start just doing a little bit of explanation as to, um, you know, what's the value of doing deep political analysis on on pop culture products? So, so I said I teach at Morgan State, but professionally, my background is in Africana studies and media studies. And politically, um, I was educated outside of institutions. But what I like about that institutional experience has been is is primarily that it gave me time structured into my life to to with focus and intent, actually study the history of propaganda, media, communication in this country, and in particular how that relates to black people here. And when you do that, it's impossible not to notice that those in power have said themselves, look, you all can call it entertainment. In fact, we might encourage you all to call it entertainment or just to see it as pop culture or just uh, what is in the media atmosphere. But from our perspective, this is about psychological warfare. This is about counterinsurgency. This is about manipulating public opinion so that when people look up and realize we're extracting all of the, the wealth from the resources that, that they have that they help cultivate and have access to, that they don't realize or that they have any number of other explanations for it than the ones we that would threaten our position. So uh it's again, it's impossible not to see. So we could say what we think about it or we could look individually and say, I'm not impacted or it doesn't get me in that way. But I always think it's more important to understand the intent rather than the impact, because I don't want to waste time arguing about I'm less interested in the impact than I am in what was the intent. And if the intent is, as I said, and as they've said, counterinsurgency uh, we either want to sell you a product or make you a product that is sell- sellable, uh, or if we want to give you an identity, whether that's uh, taking you from an Eastern European and creating you as an American and then redefining American as consumer, 
or whether we want to take an enslaved African and reduce that to Negro or some other definition. And then if you rise up out of that, well, we, at best we can be called a black or African-American, and then what is that supposed to mean? All of that has to be battled over. And from their perspective, they're very clear. We can't have everybody just running around here self-defining and then, and then um, basing a response to that self-definition. So we have to give that to them. Uh, so on some level, again, it's easier for people maybe to see, well, yeah, they just want us to buy something. But it's actually bigger than that, because for you to buy something, you have to recognize and accept a relationship to the economy as it's constructed, to the society as it's constructed. So in other words, when uh, a, a restaurant is selling a burger and promoting it on a commercial, they're not just selling a burger. They're selling the whole idea of a mass production of food, of factory farming, of private ownership of, of restaurants and delivery and the, the wealth that it creates. Like, that's what is being sold in that. Uh, and then we think, oh, but I'm, you know, it's just a burger. Or we might think I'm being manipulated to think I'm hungry, and that's also true. But I think it's way deeper than that. And then they've said it, and, and again, those who've constructed it and who constructed the study of it, they've said that that's what's going on. So that's why I think it's important, um, and we should never take lightly you know, some movie or song or whatever. And as I always say, if you like it, you should be more critical of it, you know, so. So you know. So what what are the ways that um, just in your studies have you um, identified the ways in which propaganda has been used to, like, undermine revolutionary movements? So. Um, and real quick, one, yeah. one example I've seen you give is the example of like the 93 Malcolm X film, mm -hmm. right, as an example of that. Well, so like with that one, and I, and I always credit this, this lecture tape, that, 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 that this classic tape with Dr. John Henry Clark, Amiri Baraka, the, the, these late giants, Amiri Baraka, Dr. John Henry, John Henry Clark, and our contemporary leading philosopher, uh, Daruba Ben Wahad, were all on this panel debating what was soon to be the release of this film and its impact. And in that conversation, and they all weren't on the exact same page, but in that conversation, part of what, what came out was that um, uh, Warner Brothers, the, the production company at the time, was talking about they wanted to market Malcolm X the way that they marketed their other properties like Batman and The Simpsons. So what I've always remembered from that, and, uh, um, and I'm not entirely sure if that's the point you wanted to, to, to get at, but, uh, so I'm happy to come back to that. But, but what I've always taken from that is that, from, again, from their perspective, and this is what was being said openly at the time, um, they're, they're not interested in producing something that's going to help us learn about Malcolm and Revolution and then act on it. They're producing something that is going to be a response to what at the time was black people re having a resurgence of respect for Malcolm through a, 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 a still unyet fully checked hip hop movement and, and other things happening in the community where, where Malcolm was having a, this, this resurgence. So those in power my version at least says that he argues that that they saw that and said as any colonizer does oh well obviously that's not going to be acceptable so we need to get involved and start redefining it so let's we need to redefine malcolm as somebody who could be seen as an american superhero or an american uh, um like only in america type thing like don king used to say you know like we can oppress you, but then rise you to the highest of heights. You know, like we can enslave you and then make you a king all at the same time. Like, aren't we great for that? 
um, because what happens, what obviously what happens when people pick up Malcolm X and, and, and engage him as he was, they become an uncontrollable force. And that's always, again, that's a problem. So, so again, here they come. Let's, let's get Spike and other people involved, Oprah and Bill Cosby and everybody to fund the rest of the film and, and, and create what we get, which is a, a, a defanged, you know, um, vague reference to a Malcolm X that didn't really exist. You know, something that they, from their point of view, could be marketed the way they would market Batman and The Simpsons. Go get your Batman mug and your Superman or your, 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 your Simpsons lunchbox and your Malcolm X Halloween costume. You know what I mean, it's like, you know, it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but the other way, there were like two recent examples that speak to the same thing. I mean, in the last couple of weeks, we've seen stories of where the Guardian ma- uh, newspaper admitted that the um, British equivalent to the U.S.'s CIA was working with this U.S. intelligence to suppress and destroy Kwame Ture's work uh, in developing Pan-Africanism yeah. and socialism, yeah. right? They said specifically, we were worried about him redefining, or from their perspective, redefining black power as pan-Africanist socialism. Uh, and then even more recently, we got the, the, the new story about um, uh, the uh, FBI surveillance of Aretha Franklin. Brilliant artist, not necessarily thought of to be a political radical necessarily, but but someone who was seen as entering the civil rights space with her work culturally, people using her song symbolically, et cetera, and so forth. Somebody to be surveilled as a potential threat is my point. Because the idea is, from their perspective, pop culture is a battleground. It's a, it's a um, you use celebrity and a star system not only to promote and assure the success of a commercial product, but, but in doing so, you assure the success of your ideological narrative dominating um, because you're determining the handful of people who will become famous enough to reach out and have an impact on a large amount of people from their community and beyond. Uh, so, I've, I mean, I've somewhat joked, but I really do believe it. Like, like people like, you know, Snoop or, or Jay-Z, their careers are not just sustained by their talent. And I'm not saying they're untalented. Their careers are sustained by their political value. So more recently, like Jay-Z's career has only been kept relevant so that he would be on hand to say, as he did last week or so, that uh, calling him a black capitalist is, a, is akin to being, him being called the N-word. Like, imagine that. So wait a minute. You're saying if we call you out for playing a role in exploiting our own community, your own community... We're that's the same as someone calling you the N word like that's really like that's really what it is. That's the new narrative now. So it, it's like it's what, what Diddy did a couple generations ago with hate. Mm-hmm. Legit criticism is reduced to just jealousy and envy. You hating. That's why I call myself a hater. You damn right. I'm hating on you because you, you, you out here misrepresenting what's going on. So, of course, I'm going to hate on that. And it's not, and I would, I would say, and I kind of extrapolate what you're saying. It's not even so much like with Jay Z. It's like he's got some staunch ideological position. It's the propaganda he's been fed. Of course, that would make him. Now, I mean, we again, we would have to speculate. Like, I don't know at what point 
and I tend not to want to focus, like, I don't know at what point he becomes a conscious actor in this, and he just willfully says, look, I know this is what I need to say to stay where I need to stay, or at what point he really believes that what he's saying is legit. Like, do you really believe that setting up a, 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 um, a Bitcoin investment counseling class in Marcy Projects is going to help enrich the people of Marcy Projects, or are you doing that because you and your boy Jack Dorsey got a bag to impart and, and impose blockchain and crypto on your community so that their investment can go up. Like, do you really believe that? Or you like, like am I supposed to believe it all after all these years of experience in the business world that Jay-Z doesn't understand that a class on investing in blockchain is not gonna solve his community's problems? Like you really are confused by that, Jay? All right, I'll take you, I'll, okay. Then you're just wrong by accident. But my point would be that there's a structure I define it along the colonial apparatus, but whatever people want to do, there is a structure that assures that he's not in control of, right. that assures his popularity, mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with him. Um, and it's not just his talent either. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of talented artists. Uh, there are, it's, it's a, a rare kind of artist that can willfully or not sustain themselves in that, that shapeable position uh, where over time your star can be recreated so that you can continue to bring an audience in and perform a political function that those in power need you to perform. So as I continue to say, you can't be rich, famous, and radically political at the same time. And I think that there's not one historical exception to this. So let's talk about the piece, yeah. this, the politics of popularity, because I think that's kind of mm-hmm. where, where you just were. Um, there's a clip that I know we've cut and used of you on a panel some years ago mm-hmm. um, Encouraging people to be conscious of why they would be invited to certain conversations. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> right. And thinking mm-hmm. about the role that they play politically in whatever mm-hmm. formation that they're in. And and part of why we thought that was so insightful is because, you know, I think part of the moment we're in now, I mean it's a part of American liberal individualist culture where it's like it's me, I'm it's I'm important, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. But that self awareness to do an analysis of, okay, what's the context you're in? And how might you serve whatever larger forces are at play? Mm-hmm. And I think that speaks to this notion of like curation. Like mm-hmm. how are certain figures, images, discourses, like how they're curated? Um, so if you can say a little bit about just your analysis of the politics of popularity in this piece around like curation. So like even on the way down here, I was telling my daughters about, you know, about our, our history of work and my time knowing you and your organization. And I was saying, you know, that 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 all of us at a certain age want to be seen as having some value to younger generations that we think are doing good work. So some of my, 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 my visit here does feed an ego. It's like, yeah, people I respect want to hear from me. They, they, you know, I, I, I want that. I think all of us at a certain point want to feel a value to other people that we respect. Um, but at the same time, I recognize that's part of the recognition. I recognize that I'm invited because I'm performing or my work or my my what I do is seen by you to have some value. So I'm just saying that same logic should extend to the commercial world. So where you know, so yeah, I could say, man, Davon invited me because I am literally the best academic slash activist media person ever. Like, of course, nobody does better than me. I'm the best. Of course, that's why they invite. Or I could say, okay, I'm pretty good. 
I'm 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 not without value. I can I can have some self, you know, whatever. But no, they're inviting me because they have a project, they have a goal that I'm aiding. So when Pepsi calls Beyonce or when Jack Dorsey calls Jay-Z, at some point, whether I, I don't again I would have to speculate as to what, what they think or what they at some point the hope would be um or at least from our perspective analytically, we should be able to say at some point they have to recognize or we have to recognize that they are being invited to perform a task that those who are inviting them find value in. So it's the same thing. So so obviously he's made a turn more recently, but but historically there was that moment where when Kanye spoke out against George Bush after after the levees broke. I don't want to, again, blame Mother Nature for what the levees broke. I'm just leave it there for now, but 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 Jay Z came to him at that time and said, "You can't. That's not a sustainable position for you to take politically. I mean, publicly. You can't be out here messing up our arrangement with the corporate world by talking trash about the president in some seemingly radical way." So so I, I'm probably oversimplifying it, but that's a, a turning point I think in Kanye's career, and now we see him with Candace Owens doing almost the exact opposite. Now he's saying not only he's not saying George Bush doesn't care about black people, he's saying only George Bush cares about black people. He's almost like at the exact opposite with this new messaging. But at some point everybody has to realize there's more money on the right than the left. That's what Jay-Z was telling him. That's what Candace Owens has realized. She can't get this bag working for BPM, <laughs> she, she like there's no Daily Wire bag that she's gonna get because we don't get funded the way uh, 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 what's his name Ben Shapiro and them get funded to fund her, et cetera, and so forth. So in other words, that's really all I was trying to say. Like we have to be all a little bit humble and say, look, I need to understand why I'm being invited somewhere, and whoever's inviting me is is looking for me to perform a certain function, and that's why we all know. And I've experienced it myself when I've gone somewhere for a paycheck and I know immediately when I've said that one thing that's going to get me disinvited going forward. Oh, that was it. And you can even see it when they hand you the check. <laughs> Bye forever. <mom. laughs> like, you know, as opposed to can't wait to see you again, you know. And we all know it. And then sometimes we consciously, we will look, I, I can't principally, you know. And then sometimes for our jobs and elsewhere, I'm no, no better than anybody else in that regard. We, we walk up to a line and then we stop. And we say, if I say that one more thing, that's it. I will have cut myself off from being a value to this host. Mm-hmm. So that's I, I don't know. I, I hope I've gotten to you. No, that's so, helpful. So, you know, that's helpful because yeah. with that, cause that line, right? Um, because the question around what are the dominant political messages that are, are trying to be projected, mm-hmm. and you know, one of the aspects of your work that for me I think has most been demonstrative of that line is the work on Malcolm X, mm-hmm. right? And I, and I find Malcolm X and just all the contestation around his legacy and politics to be a good litmus test for determining, like, what are those dominant messages? Mm. Um, so mm. so using that as a frame of reference, like, what's that line that you say that you walk up to 
using that as a back, Malcolm X as a backdrop. Like, what, what are those dominant messages? What are, what are those lines? Well, the one, again, I, I really appreciate what The Guardian published recently because they, they, in bright, bold, black and white letters, told us at least part of the line or that line is constructed by Pan-Africanism and socialism. They said, you can't be doing that. So when Malcolm was out there talking about dollarism is a problem, black capitalism is a problem, the black bourgeoisie is a problem, um, uh, inter, you know, global imperialism is a problem. I mean, these are the things you, these, you know, because the, the, the narrative is essentially for everybody. There is the, the broader capitalist narrative. There is, you know, this, this, the United States is a settler colonial project, and as Kwame Nkrumah correctly said, the practice of capitalism is domestic colonialism. So whatever ism, however people want to particularly put it, we're ultimately, I think, talking about the same thing. Um, but what, with that in mind, the, 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 and again, I don't have to, there's, it's not about speculation. It's about when you look at the, the I always talk about the work of uh, Chris Simpson, one of my favorite professors, uh, uh, um, the science of, of, of coercion. Um, but when you look at Paul Lazarsfeld and Harold Laswell, and you look at, you know, all these early foundational figures in mass communication, they were all basically saying, we're going to take money from the military industrial complex and the commercial world. And from those two guiding points, we're going to figure out what they want. And what they want is consumers and pliant, not even citizens, but subjects, because empires don't create democracies and citizens. They create subjects and colonized people. So that's what they were saying. They said, we're going to use media as the fourth arm of the military. We want, it to have the, we want media to have the impact of bombs without the mess. We want to engage in counterinsurgency, psychological warfare. We want to turn Eastern Europeans into pliant white American consumers. And to the extent that we're going to allow a black middle class, we want them to be compliant black middle class consumers. Anybody who starts using their platform or any of their, their outreach to encourage criticisms of capitalism, whatever ism you want to put on it, anybody, I mean, that's why I'm even adopting, I don't even like my Washington football team anymore. But now, now that I saw the, the commanders and the commies, now they got the commies out with the, this, this joint, I'm, like, I'm all for it now. Like, yeah, the Washington, you know, like, because any, any tendency towards that is, is punishable. I mean, I've even seen it in documents about my own family, um, the, 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 whether it was my black father, my Jewish grandmother, or the state was very clear. They're talking about communism. They're talking about black liberation and socialism. They're talking about pan-Africanism. It's all in print. They got that. That is that's that's <laughs> things have to happen. That that's not acceptable. So so. So yeah, so so Malcolm X has to be rebranded and reproduced as someone who would have been accepting of a Barack Obama. Um, that is that is the form. Nixon was very explicit in saying black power has to be redefined as black capitalism and mainstream electoral political participation. Like that's all at the, this whole black. But when you start again talking about socialism, pan Africanism. Communism, internationalism, anti-colonialism, those are the isms that start to get you put on these lists and put in these categories, and it, it can be just slow, benign omission to very violent, aggressive force. Um, uh, so, yeah, but those are the and, – and by the way, and today we are seeing a resurgence of this black capitalist narrative that 
um, I was even, I think, naive to before doing the buying power work uh, and looking at it more closely even in the last couple of months. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's really a mess. So, so there is clearly an intent here. Um, and I'll stop here, but I think also it kicked in after the, 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 the COVID pandemic where as everything started to shut down and people started to see flaws in the economy in the way that they hadn't seen before, there was an uptick in propaganda to get everybody back into believing that capitalism is still a solution and that the only thing is maybe this pandemic or those other people who are holding you back. Um, just to, just as a reminder, don't start thinking, because a lot of people started, you know, we're just standing in food lines. We got white folks sitting in food lines for days at one point. They, I mean, I'm sure a lot of them started to rethink their relationship to this country and had to be reminded, oh, no, 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 it's for you. And once we get over this pandemic and the Chinese who probably created it or whatever else they were saying, right, the Chinese gave you the flu, the Latinos came across the border, our regular Negroes, they're just regular Negroing, so, that, you know, we got to deal with them too. But once we get all that back in check, you'll be okay. Like that kind of messaging had to come back in because other people, maybe these other isms might have some value here. Mm-hmm. What would you say to, because I think a part of what's also happening is some strategic incorporation of some of the rhetoric. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so Bernie Sanders is a socialist. Oh, man, you know man. what I'm saying? You see, you know, um, particularly I'm I, I'm observing in like foundation spaces. You know, people talking about Black liberation and um, you know, so some of that incorporation. Um, so I asked this to try to zero in on the line. You know, because I feel like it, you know, it's a difference between I think those who will you know they'll say socialism. Um, you know, AOC, right? Um, but she gets to be her. But I would imagine, you know, a part of that line has to do with, like, actually being able to seize power. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? In a, in a real meaningful way. Um, because I do feel like there's a lot of, at this moment, a lot of strategic incorporation of some of those radical traditions um, and in some ways distort it in order to make it so it doesn't quite cross the line. You know what I mean? So, I mean, yeah, I, we, so I've been working with this author. Christopher Mott wrote this piece where he called it uh, Woke Imperium. So I've been talking a lot about that. And I think what he, he got it, I thought, with it, from his perspective, I thought it was perfect. That, that from the state's perspective, they need a new way to expand their imperial project. So he calls it the Woke Imperium, meaning that the state looks to rebrand its relationship to struggles happening within its borders to project itself as addressing those problems locally and to the world. So so that's why we see, you know, all the stuff that we saw from the the, the fake knee taking and the, the kente cloth wearing. And again, my favorite with J- Jamie Dimon taking the knee in front of his, his J.P. Morgan vaults. Yeah. Like, I, I like, it was like, that was perfect. But but um, uh, or, you know, the, the, the CIA recruitment ad for the Latina where she's talking about my my migration story is culminating with my coming on board at the CIA. Like all of this is, you know, the, the, the first all attack helicopter LGBTQs, you know, crew and all that, like all that kind of stuff is like, you know, but it's effective. Uh you know, having more representation of, of oppressed groups in film or, or popular culture or, you know, symbolically at least gives this impression that there is change coming, that there is. So that's why, you know, Kwame Ture, again, going back to the Guardian article, 
you know, when he's saying black visibility is not black power, he's he's saying presciently, look, the media system's only getting more sophisticated. If you don't get this point now, we're going to be in trouble by 2022 because uh, black people are going to be everywhere. Um, Latino people are going to be everywhere. LGBTQ people are going to be everywhere. We're going to put, oh, excuse me, we're going to be putting these groups all over the place. Now, none of the material conditions are going to change. And in fact, they're going to get worse. But, you know, so that's what, you know, so, so, so that's why I think uh, um, uh, the, the U.S. version of propaganda is so powerful because it doesn't look to um, be as, it has the ability to be, it has the, the room in its almost singular power to be slow and sophisticated and kind of, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be so overt and aggressive in its, in its performance, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, um, and we have a hard time keeping up with, with um, that shifting landscape, and I think that's on purpose, and it, it makes it very difficult to, dis- to, di- to, to differentiate between a charismatic, well-spoken, beautiful-looking, uh, um, representative of a certain issue versus a substantive yeah. analysis. It's that's very difficult. Yeah, that's a good way to put that. 